How's everybody doing today? Great. Yeah? A lot of people here. It's been the last few times I've taught, it's been um, I, I'm mostly getting to talk to the camera. And I know we have some people joining us from their homes. Good to be with you as well. But more people here, and it's great to be here uh, and actually have some faces among this place. So, um, I'm just going to go straight into it. I think Joe pretty much gave the whole talk, so we're good. We don't have to do it now. Um, the, the, I want to just say this. The power of the resurrection is alive in you. I always think that most of our life, it's like we have a blanket pulled over our eyes. And like if we could consider the viewpoint of our enemy, of Satan, wouldn't his most effective strategy be to keep, uh, to keep us from living in the glory of being part of God's kingdom is to convince us there is no spirit world, right? That would be his best strategy. Think about all the stuff that occupies our minds. Um, I'm curious, and since we actually have some people here today, um, what have you thought about today? What things have been on your mind this morning? They can be bland and boring. Just shout them out. Who's got something? What thing? Breakfast? Cicadas. Yeah, the cicadas. We thought about that. How uh, not busy uh, 695 is on Sunday mornings coming from uh, Timonium. That was okay. Anyone else? What else has been on your minds today? Kids? Uh huh. Just trying to figure out all the details of the day. We're supposed to go meet up with a friend and hit the zoo this afternoon. Like, okay, plans, structure, what are we doing? Okay. And so it's, you know, it's, it's been all kinds of things. We, all, we are all over the place. And how many of you have thought this morning about the fact that the power of the resurrection is alive in you? Usually that doesn't occupy us that much. We often live within the boundaries of what's right in front of us. What do I have to do today? If I'm a student, what do I have to study for? Um, what work needs to be done on my house? At the end of the day, we escape to our thoughts and ideas, uh, usually, or into a world of things that entertain us. Uh, whether it's a book, someone we're following on YouTube, if you're younger, probably looking at memes, whatever else it is. Uh, if you're, you know, whatever TV shows we're hooked on right now. Uh, often, we're honestly bored. I think we're bored a lot of the time. We feel as though through our entertainment devices, we have to create a more exciting reality that we wished we lived in sometimes. But the truth is often hidden from our eyes. The reality is a lot more exciting than we even think it is. The power of the resurrection is alive in you. So this is the weekend of Pentecost. Uh, the day God moves by his Holy Spirit. Make sure this thing is working. Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. And the day he moves by the Spirit into the lives of his people. So I want to take a couple of minutes and let's just put every Christian holy day in its right place. While we all love Christmas and Jesus' birth was not only wonderful, 
but essential to all of this happening. Suddenly it's like we're back in December or something. The thing is, Good Friday and Easter are far greater gifts to us all, and Pentecost as well. I'm not dissing Christmas. I love Christmas, okay? But Easter, though, has fewer cultural reference points uh, than Christmas, even for us Christians. People often dress up in nice little spring outfits and go to church. This was my impression of Easter when I was a kid, okay? And the kid's going, Mom, can we, get, can we hunt for Easter eggs yet? And the mom's going, okay, yes, just one more picture, sweetheart. Oh, I'm sorry, 37 more pictures. Lost count. And the kid's just like, if they sound anything like Eliza, our daughter. So, yeah, that's, that was always my view of Easter. That's as far as the pictures of Easter went. So the meaning of Easter can get lost. But if you follow Jesus... It's the most important, most joyous day of the ecclesiastical calendar is Easter. The meaning of Easter changes everything. Because Jesus is alive, death does not have to have the final say for us. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Because Jesus is alive, all things are redeemable. Even the things that feel like they can never be resolved. Because Jesus is alive, God's kingdom is and will be victorious. I've seen spiritual resurrections happening in the lives of people who seemed hopeless. I've seen them in my life. Anyone else seen resurrections in your life? Anyone? If, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to say, God, I need to see a resurrection in my life somewhere. Something, God. Easter's not just a holiday. It's how I want to live. Um, it's beyond my power. I want to live knowing that God can bring life out of death, and he will. But for a talk about Pentecost, I'm talking a lot about what? Yeah, Easter. Yeah, the resurrection. So what to do with Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is a day that many of us barely notice. Most of us didn't come out in our Pentecost clothes today and dress that way. Honestly, most years I don't even notice it. I go to a church where they don't focus as much on that type of thing. Joe's taking notes over here saying, okay, don't have Jay back to talk about Pentecost anymore. He's, he's, he doesn't even think of it. Um, maybe, you know, if the Pentecost bunny brought us, you know, Pentecost baskets when we were kids, I'd think more of it or... There were, it's the Pentecost Beagle, Charlie Brown, that we're on. Yeah, that. Then we would all be about, yes, I, I didn't doctor the photograph for um, trademark reasons. So I didn't want to uh, get in trouble. So we don't always care or think that much about Pentecost. But we ought to care about it. Because Pentecost is when the power of Easter explodes, goes outward. Easter, I like to think of it this way, Easter's a massive stone rolled away, letting every one of us go free from the grave if we choose to. Pentecost is a massive stone hitting the surface of the water, sending ripples in every direction. Kind of, a, that is our difference right there. 
and changing everything, sending tidal waves outward from one center to everywhere. Easter shows us death doesn't win. God does. Pentecost shows us God is so crazy brilliant as to give us, you and me, his message to make us the voices that will shout the power of Easter to the world. I know that in past years, Joe has uh, mentioned Pentecost as God reversing the Tower of Babel. And as he shared it, the idea was that at Babel, in order to undermine, to cut short humanity's self-serving, self-destructive kingdom on earth, God confused the language of the people. But at Pentecost, in order to bring his loving, gracious, selfless kingdom to earth, God took people whose language was naturally tangled and untangled it, cleared it up so that people could understand and believe. Another thought on this, and I really want to focus here. At Babel, God took away people's authority. At Pentecost, God gave people authority back because God also gave them himself. Let's take a closer look. At Babel, God took away people's authority. We're going to spend a little time here. In humanity's brokenness, any kingdom we tried to build would by its broken nature be destructive. I was just thinking about that while Joe was leading us through some of the confession and prayer we just did. The ways that we all shut God out and don't listen to him. How can anything we build or anything we do have anything but destruction, ultimately? And in the post-Babel, post-Egypt Israel, they did not collectively have the Holy Spirit indwelling. Certain individuals could be led by the Spirit or have the Spirit take over them. But they simply could not be God-like. The best thing God could do was remove some authority, pull it out, limit the damage of our brokenness. And we see this absence over and over again in the Old Testament. I always think of when God gave the Israelites the law at Mount Sinai, which again ties into Pentecost, and we'll bring that back around in a moment. But God had to give them a law with tons, pages and pages and pages of detail in terms of how to obey him. Whenever I go back and read Leviticus, anyone do that lately? Anyone read Leviticus lately? Joe, Joe has read Leviticus lately. Dude, whenever I read Leviticus, um, which is probably, I really, I really, I probably dive into it every few years in my God times, but it's not that often. Um, I think, I was looking at the sheer number of regulations is insane. But God, when he gave all these rules, like this is how you should prepare your food, this is how every 
things should be prepared. This is, this is what being unclean and clean is and all that. He wasn't trying to curb the Israelites' freedom. Far from it. The only model the Israelites had ever seen was Egypt. A kingdom that crushed and oppressed the poor. And they'd, they'd never seen a well-functioning society or a, anyone serving, any, anyone in power and leadership serving anyone but themselves. So God was saying, basically, guys, this is what you have to do to live as free people. To them, those regulations, there were a lot of them, but he was trying to use that to set them free and show them how to live. But the other thing is they also had no inner guidance. They didn't have inner guidance. God could speak to them, but not from within. He had to lay out the law point by point by point by point. Even much later when you look at Jesus in his time, Jesus would teach his disciples and they would sit here glazed over. What are you talking about, Jesus? And there were times where he even said, he got so frustrated, he said, guys, are you so dull that you don't understand what I'm saying? And see, being with Jesus, they could experience the presence of God, but it was only in the presence of the flesh and blood person. Then we drop in at the Last Supper. We see it again. Jesus is about to die. And what does Peter say to him? Lord, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. But he's not saying it in the Spirit. He doesn't have the Spirit. It's his own pride, isn't it? It's, it's his wanting to believe the best of himself. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think he wanted to do the best he could. And Jesus Jesus, who's about to die on the cross, who's about to be killed, who's about to go through the most suffering anyone has ever gone through, feels sorry for Peter almost, as he says, like, Peter, are you really ready to lay down your life for me? I, truly, I tell you, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows, and we know what happens. Jesus knows that Peter to the best of his self-knowledge, wants to be all in. But he's not guided by anything but himself. He just can't do it. Jesus knows this, and at the same meal, he tells the disciples something that seems outlandish to us. And we'll look at the scripture, John 16, right here. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When I first read this, and probably a lot of the first times I ever read that scripture when Jesus says that, I got the same feeling you get as a kid when your pet dies and your parents don't want you to feel bad. So they say, oh, sweetheart, Stinky the dog went to live on the Happy Chew Toy Farm. 
He's probably chasing a squirrel up a tree even as we speak. Isn't that nice? Doesn't that make you happy for Stinky? It's almost like Jesus is, my impression of it was Jesus saying, guys, I may be gone, but a part of me will always be with you. They're going, we don't want a part of you. We want all of you. (laughs) If I'm one of the disciples, I'm going, nice try, Jesus. You're not making us feel any better. But Jesus was not messing around. He was really saying, guys, I know you think it's great to have me with you. But it will be even better to have my power in you. That's awesome. So then Jesus rises from the dead, Luke 24, 45. Jesus appears to the disciples. It says, he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. And so all the disciples are sitting there going, oh, so that's why you had to die. That's that's what you were telling us all those times. Jesus like, yes, that's what I was telling you when I said I would be betrayed, be killed, and three days later rise. But now they get it. They see it. So you'd think the disciples get it now. Then wasn't this your thing last week, the ascension? Or was that recent? Yep. Yeah. Jesus gets ready to ascend to heaven, and he goes, guys, wait in Jerusalem. In just a few days, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And what's their reaction? Lord, so now, now, are you going you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? So what about now, Jesus? They still don't get it. Because they still don't have the Spirit, do they? So Jesus has to say, it's not for you to know the times or dates. He has to tell them, hold up. And then the next thing you know, after he tells them one more time they're going to get the Spirit, he disappears. And the disciples obey Jesus and go back to Jerusalem to wait and to pray. And that leads us to Pentecost. In Israel, it's the Feast of Weeks, also known as Shavuot. Shavuot. Everybody say that. Shavuot. I actually had to go on uh, Wikipedia and listen to push, you know, listen to what how to pronounce it because I had no idea what I was saying. So, Shavuot. And in Judaism, it commemorates God giving Israel the Torah, the law, at Mount Sinai. We are just talking about that. But now God is giving a new law. So let's listen to the word of the Lord and sink into this story and hear it from that perspective. Until now, the Spirit has never come down. It's, he's never indwelled, but now... Everything's changing. So let's listen to this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, not the cicada noise, but of, I, I, I can hear them right now. I just think it's very funny. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And here we go. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia. I'm trying to make sure I pronounce these right. Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. I'm imagining all these people saying these words at once. I don't think they said it like that, but, but I think this is their observation. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Um, you're old, mm, oh yeah, lost my way. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going, Peter? Where did this come from, Peter? This is the one who just a few days ago, or like a couple weeks ago, had been saying to Jesus, why, why am I going to have to suffer? Why not John? Make John suffer too, Jesus. You know, and now here he is like, here's the word of the Lord in your face. Yeah, he's on, he's on fire. Peter is on fire. So anyway, fellow Israelites, listen to this. He continues, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Peter's not wincing, mincing words anymore. Oh. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Man, Peter sure knows his, old, his scripture references now in a way that, I, don't, I mean, he knew it, but now he knows it. <laughs> you know, there's a difference. He says, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. You realize the Spirit is doing this work in Peter. This is amazing. If he can turn Peter around, 
If we really let his power be unleashed in us, what could it look like? I'll pick it up here, one more block of it. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Mic drop. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So at Pentecost, God gave people authority, and he could do so because his spirit would now live in them. You realize just before Pentecost, the disciples had been gathered and praying. They had seen Jesus, God with skin on, right? Moving among the people. The news of the kingdom of God went wherever Jesus went. But now Jesus was gone. It must have felt like 12 of them, plus a few other of Jesus' friends and family, alone in this world. Going, how is this going to happen? But at Pentecost, the power of Easter explodes. I just thought this was a cool graphic. Um, Explodes, the rock hits the water, the ripples move outward, changing everything. I love picturing the disciples as 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus, going, oh, so that's how this is going to change. Cool. Peter alone would do more. He would stand up to the teachers of the law in the face of death threats and beatings. He would take the message of Jesus to a Roman centurion named Cornelius, a Gentile. Unheard of. A Gentile having a place to hear about God, about the Messiah? For Israel? And then Cornelius, his household, starts speaking in tongues. This goes outward. It's like another rock into the water. The more rocks, the more the ripples, the more people throw rocks in, and more ripples keep going outward. So this isn't even getting into Paul's story, Philip's story, John's story, any of the others. The message of Jesus doesn't explode with Jesus here. It explodes through the Holy Spirit's work in everyday people. 
And it's still happening today. This is why in light of Pentecost, I want to lead us into a few minutes to reflect. I ask, do you realize the power of the resurrection is alive in you? You don't have to hang around Jesus or be sorry that you didn't live in his time to experience it. Because the Spirit's time is all the time. If you've yielded your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. I'd like to take us into a few minutes of silence. I said at the start that Satan's strategy is to convince us there is no spirit world and that nothing we're doing means anything. Instead, if we're really going to be led by the Spirit, we have to listen for the Spirit's voice. I'll ask you a few questions and you can just process whatever the Spirit puts in you to think about. Then we'll keep it quiet for a couple minutes. I'll pray there will be another song after this um, and Joel will do the benediction, but I'll give you these questions and then we'll be quiet for a couple minutes. Think of the mundane things in your life that don't really feel like much. Is there a godly purpose even in those things, is the Spirit moving in them? Are there people in your life right now who maybe at best annoy you, at worst they're a pain to you, yet maybe God wants to use them to reveal his strength in your life? What things do you worry about? Did God allow those things in your life so that you could worry about them or so that you could learn to trust him even more? You may be waiting for a ministry opportunity or door to open, but what doors in your life are open right now that you haven't gone through for whatever reason? What in your life has felt like a death that perhaps God wants to bring a resurrection out of? Let's be quiet before the Lord and let him speak into our lives.
This is Pentecost. The power of the resurrection is alive in you. Let's pray. God, whatever is, feels dead, meaningless, mundane, lost, God, I pray you would raise life. And not only raise life like you did at Easter, but make it explode into the world. Explode into our lives first and then into the world as you call us to. Help us not to be afraid, but to trust in you. Move us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.